Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. We have another great episode for you here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome, friends. I'm Jason Day, your host. As pastors and ministry leaders, we like to preach and teach a lot about community, but sometimes we're not so good when it comes to practicing community ourselves. This week, I had the chance to talk with Rusty George about why we as ministry leaders often isolate ourselves. Rusty serves as lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern California, a multi-site church as one of America's fastest growing churches. And with many years of pastoral experience, Rusty knows the challenges of developing authentic community as a ministry leader. Rusty has written several books, including his latest, which focuses on the topic of community. And it's entitled Better Together. In this episode, Rusty and I talk about the danger signs of becoming too isolated as ministry leaders. We discuss how vulnerable is too vulnerable in our relationships and how to overcome the hurt and avoid bitterness when someone you trust betrays you. Rusty is so refreshingly honest and open as he shares from his own experiences so many gems in this conversation. It truly is a gift to us as pastors and ministry leaders. So let's not waste any more time. I invite you to join me in my conversation with Rusty George. Rusty, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. This is so fun. I love this podcast and to be a guest is a real honor. Awesome, brother. Now, as ministry leaders, we can sometimes feel isolated, right? Which that, is which is kind of ironic when you think about it, because we seem to always be talking about the value and the importance of community. Rusty, why do pastors tend to isolate themselves? Well, it is an odd conundrum we find ourselves in, because church leaders are the biggest advocates for community, but yet we're the most common ones to avoid it. And I think it has a lot to do with this belief that it's lonely at the top and nobody gets me. Um, There's this feeling that everybody else, um, and I'll just go ahead and say it, everybody else is an idiot. Uh, (laughs) You know, the the thing I heard in Bible college when I was in, you know, seminary and in Bible college was ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Uh, And, and, you know, we laugh about that because it's kind of a way that we soothe our wounds because we get our hearts broken a lot. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people that promise loyalty and don't live up to it. A lot of people that bail on us, staff members that betray us, uh, elders that work against us. And so I think that there's just a, a natural inclination to say, well, forget it. Uh, I'll just isolate myself. I'll tell all of you to be in community. But as for me, uh, I can't trust anyone. Yeah. Now, how do pastors and ministry leaders kind of move beyond that isolation mindset? And like you said, a lot of it is, you know, we're insulating ourselves because of, of hurt. I mean, you know, that's just part of human nature. But how do we move beyond that and begin to engage in authentic community? Well, I think the very first step is just to admit we need it. Uh, I I think that there's this idea that once we become pastors or once we become church leaders and we ascend to any sort of position of uh, authority or, um, you know, spiritual leadership, we just assume that we've reached the top. No one else is there. 
And that's kind of rare air. And so I, I don't know if I can relate to anybody else. So I think the first thing is just to admit we do need people. And it doesn't always have to be somebody who's further along than us spiritually. Uh, it can be somebody that's just a loyal, trusted friend. It can be somebody that we just seek to serve. Uh, and I think where that comes from is just once again looking at the model of Jesus. Uh, if there was anybody who had the right to say, everybody else is an idiot, <laughs> it was him. <laughs> because he's surrounded by these 12 guys uh, you know, that will all desert him. Uh, one that betrays him, another that denies him. Uh, and yet he continues to love them, serve them, wash their feet and empower them uh, with ministry and even task them to be his hands and feet once he's gone. So I think the first thing is just to admit that you need it, admit that not everybody else truly is an idiot and that there's value in sharing our lives with other people. That makes sense. So what would be something practical that mm -hmm. as a pastor who, who feels like, you know what, I, I am preaching community all the time, but I don't really feel myself in community. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what is a practical you know step that they could take to help kind of chip away at some of those blocks that they've built up around them and begin to enter into um, a sense of, of biblical community? Well, I think, the, you know, there's a, several different things you can do. Uh, one, one of it is you just begin to develop friendships with other pastors, mm -hmm. uh, some that are not necessarily in, you know, your sphere of influence as far as they're not in your city, they're not in your town, they're not even on your staff. They're just a few people that you can get together with. Um, I know for me, I just decided to lean into about five or six guys that do what I do in other parts of the country, and we just made it a commitment to get together at least once a year. With that comes uh, weekly texts to each other of, oh, you won't believe what happened this weekend, <laughs> or, or I said the dumbest thing on Sunday, or somebody said the craziest thing to me. Um, those have become refreshing for me, and I think all of us long for other pastors that are in uh, our sphere. The problem is, is we only look for people that are either way ahead of us who can help us get to where they are or people way below us who make us feel better about who we are. Mm. Find some people that are kind of right around where you are um, and, and encourage them and let them encourage you. The other thing is, is to build relationships with people in, in your church. Um, I, my own personal journey is it's not natural for me to desire community because I'm an introvert. Uh, I, I come out as a INTJ, and on the Myers-Briggs, I'm a six on the Enneagram, so I, I crave loyalty, but I, I also crave isolation, so it's kind of a weird conundrum for me. I, I think that when, when I went through a difficult season in my life a few years ago where we had reached a point in our church where we'd grown beyond some staff members and they left or we had to say goodbye, and we'd even grown beyond some parishioners who felt like, you know what, this isn't the church that I thought it was. It's grown beyond what I like. And they left, and I felt really betrayed. I felt really hurt, and so I isolated. My wife's an introvert as well, and so it's pretty easy for us just to kind of lock the doors and you know close the blinds and just let it be us four no more when it comes to our family. And I remember my wife, this was probably several years ago, uh, she invited some people over for dinner on a Friday night. And I said, okay, that's cool. And she said, yeah, they're, they're new to the area. I know them from, uh, you know, a connection in college and all that. So let's have them over. Said, okay. So they came over for dinner and it was great. And we had a great time and they left. And she said, I went ahead and invited them over next Friday night. 
said, hold on now. Let's not overcommit ourselves. Right? I mean, that's, that's quite a bit. And she said, listen, if we're going to have friends, we have to make the effort. And she was right. Uh, I think there's an assumption that we're waiting on others to come to us. We have high expectations for other people to be the perfect friends, the perfect community. And we just expect it all to come our way. And she said, no, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to start this out. And so we did. Our kids were about the same age and are still the same age. And we just decided every Friday we'd start getting together. And at first that was our initiative and then it became theirs. And now it's become, you know, it's an every Friday kind of thing where we're getting together. We go on vacation together. We spend time together. Our kids are growing up together. And it really has become valuable um, as far as community. What I love about it is, you know, now they're not afraid to uh, ask the hard questions. Um, and they're also not afraid to speak into our lives uh, in difficult times, too. In fact, just recently, uh, our oldest daughter uh, had surgery and they came down to the hospital, just sat with us all day. Mm. And I said, listen, you really don't have to be here. I'm so grateful, though, but you don't have to be here. And they said, you know what? We're just going to stay. We're just going to be here. And they didn't have words of wisdom. They didn't bring a lot of food. They just sat with us. And it was such a gift, such a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. I imagine that there are probably a lot of pastors listening right now, Rusty, that crave something like that, right? Because they're often at the hospital, you know, sitting with someone whose who's daughter is having surgery or, you know, in, in that situation. They're on the right. other side, but just don't feel like they have, you know, someone who would who would necessarily do that for them because of kind of a distance that— is created. Sometimes we help create that um, unintentionally. Sometimes it's just, you know, culturally, you know, how people view church and, you know, the clergy, uh, you know, the chasm between clergy and lady and all that sort of thing. So let me ask this, though, as, as we talk about that, you know, authentic community and those relationships, I know one of the questions that a lot of pastors wrestle with comes down to vulnerability within those relationships. Because, you know, you still are the pastor, right? So you're still—and um, so maybe there's a struggle with how vulnerable can we truly be with, you know, another couple or another another person that, you know, we're trying to journey life with. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of times for pastors, we, that's one of the reasons we feel isolated because we feel like they can share all of their struggles, all of their challenges, all of their disappointments— all of their failures with us and we're there as a pastor to to be there and help um you know just be present or help pray with them or guide them direct them counsel them through those but then we don't feel that we can do the same so can you speak with us just a little bit about that that vulnerability first of all let me just say this the friday night friendship that i just described is not our first attempt we have had many strikeouts along the way and I think you just have to be willing to go through that. And I think the key indicator for us is who's desiring to be our friends. And those are typically the ones we stay away from. And that sounds awful. But the problem is, is that sometimes people just want to sidle up to you because you are the pastor, because they want to get in on the no, or they want to have influence over your leadership. And I've always tried to be you know, kind of leery on that and kind of hesitant on that and stay away. In other words, there are some people that go to God on your behalf, and then there are others that go to you on God's behalf. I stay away from the latter. 
if, if people are praying for me, fantastic. If they're coming to me telling me what God told them I'm, they're supposed to tell me, I stay away from those. And so figuring out that, first of all, there's going to be some people that they're just going to, they're going to suck the life out of you. They're going to want your friendship and promise you great things and then betray you. And you just, first of all, have to recognize it's just going to happen. But I'd also say this to the church leaders and pastors out there, and that sometimes we're our own worst enemies. You know, we go out on stage, we teach, and then we hide in our office. And then we complain about nobody wants to get to know us. And so sometimes it's just a matter of putting ourselves out there, of extending ourselves. And so I would just say, practice vulnerability. Put yourself in positions where you are out there shaking hands. And then let that lead to a coffee. Then let that lead to a lunch. Then let that lead to a dinner. And it doesn't always have to be isolated where it's just you and your wife and another couple. It could be six couples. And you could do that every Friday night until you find a couple that you both like and you begin to do life with them on a next level kind of basis. But recognize that it's not always going to work out perfect and you are going to get your heart broke. But it is worth it. How, how vulnerable would you say is too vulnerable. Like when you're talking to your staff pastors, you know, you've been in ministry for a long time. You've seen lots of things. You've had lots of experiences. Where is there, you know, is there a line that as pastors we need to draw at some point? Yeah, I think that there is some, you know, uh, vulnerability that you don't want to get into in that there's some confidentiality that you can't um, obviously break. There is the pastor uh, confidentiality thing where people have come to you for counseling and you can't talk about it. But then there's some stuff that you do need to talk about because it's just too great of a burden for you to carry. And so for you to have some other people in your life to share that with is, is crucial. So when it comes to the Friday night friendship of people that are in your church, you don't need to download everything that happened at work, but you do need to talk about that. It's been a really rough week or it's been a really heavy week. And then there's going to be times when they want to know more and you're just going to have to say, I'm sorry, but that's all I can tell you right now uh, for you to, you know, to share some of that with your staff members, but also recognize that they don't need to hear all of it. Mm. One of the difficulties of hiring friends is that then you no longer get to download some of the staff issues with them <laughs> because now they're, they're on the staff. Uh, I remember I had a friend and still just one of my greatest friends. And we grew up together, you know, we roomed together in college, uh, went off in ministry in two different fields. And, you know, he was in one part of the country. I was in another. And I would always call him and complain about my staff when I had trouble. <laughs> the problem is, is then I hired him. And I remember talking to him a week after I hired him and said, you know, I'm so glad you're here. It's so great to have you on the team. But I'm grieving the fact that you can no longer be my confidant. For staff issues anymore uh, because he's now a part of the team and so you just have to understand some of that balance there and that you have to, you have some people that you can share some stuff with and some people you just can't that, that's good rusty and and as you're talking about that i actually started thinking about um our spouses as well because we we, we really don't want to keep things from our spouses but at the same time we don't necessarily want to help push them along of, you know, the path of getting jaded or discouraged, you know, because of things that are happening in the life of the church. So can you talk a little bit about how to, how to kind of handle that with your spouse even? Yeah, that's, that's a great, 
great fine line we have to walk and a great question. And I think a lot about when, you know, I'm doing marriage counseling and I say uh, to the wife uh, or the, you know, the wife to be, I say, listen, you may love your mom and share everything with her, but do not share your fights with your husband with her because you're going to get over it, but she won't. She'll never forget what your husband said to her little girl, you know, and so you have to be cautious on that. There's some things you cannot share. And I think it's the same thing with with pastors and their their spouses. In fact, oftentimes, in fact, oftentimes I will say to the pastors and I will say to their uh, staff members, um, "Okay, there's just some stuff you don't take home because you have to remember that. Yep, it's your spouse, but this is still their church. And some of the stuff that you deal with here on staff doesn't need to go home because it's going to tarnish the way that your spouse views the church. And I've seen it. I know when it goes wrong because you'll confront a staff member. They'll go home and download that on their spouse. And then their spouse decides to share that on Facebook. (laughs) And they'll try to do it in a way that you don't know who they're talking about. But you know. And they'll start ripping, well, my boss or my, they'll say something like, my husband had a really hard day today. Pray for him. Okay, well, what does that mean? It means that they're, they're having a tough time at work with the pastor of the church. And so you have to be careful what you share. And you just kind of have to know your spouse and put some parameters there. That's good. Let's talk a little bit about um, a pastor who is, is sitting there listening today. And they're kind of trying to sort through and think, well, you know, what kind of relationships do I have? What don't I have? And what I guess are, are some of the danger signs that we as ministry leaders might be isolating ourselves too much? Well, I'll speak from my own personal experience here because it's been hard for me and I've tended to isolate myself way too much. And then when I trust somebody, I tend to put way too many expectations on them to be that perfect friend. Um, and I got some great wisdom from a, a counselor to pastors, and he's he's blessed so many pastors with his wisdom, a guy by the name of Dr. John Walker. And in his ministry at Blessing Ranch, he, he gave me this great piece of wisdom that I have to credit him for. But he, he referred me to a, a passage where John is talking about Jesus, and he just makes this comment that's so profound. He says, Jesus did not entrust himself to men because he knew the hearts of men. And he chose to just kind of uh, dive into that word entrust a little bit. And he said, there's a big difference between entrust and trust. And this was just life-giving for me, and I hope it is for your listeners. Because what Jesus showed us was his ability to entrust himself to his Father, but only trust responsibilities with the hearts of men. In other words, that The danger you and I get into, and this is what I dealt with in my life, was when I stopped entrusting myself to God, but I entrusted myself to people in my church, that their opinion of me was where I found my identity. Mm. And I had to learn that that's only a job for my Heavenly Father. And I know we preach that all the time. Right. But I can preach that and then walk off stage and start looking for the people I need to tell me how great that was Mm. because their opinion matters most. And so you have to kind of determine, all right, 
I'm going to entrust my heart to God, but I'm going to guard my heart. But I'm going to trust people in my life to pray for me, and I'm going to pray for them, for them to take care of me, but I'm going to take care of them. And maybe it's not going to be a whole lot. Maybe it's only going to be just a few, but I'm going to share some details of my life. I'm going to ask them to hold me accountable to some things. I'm going to be honest with them about who I am. But I'm also not going to put such great expectations and responsibilities on them that if they fail me, my life is over. And so I entrust myself to God, but I trust some people around me and allow them to have some input into my life. So as pastors, we need to be careful that we're not entrusting those around us then, that we're not looking for our worth or our validation maybe right. through them. Right. That That's just, it, it's so difficult to do because you begin to, you know, view yourself as, okay, I am somebody because I'm friends with this person or because they, they validated me or they told me how great I did on this weekend. And, and it's just such a difficult thing to manage just understanding how much it's really all about what God thinks about us rather than what other people think about us. And I know we can say that, and that sounds like, well, that's the bumper sticker, right? Uh, But the reality is that's all it comes down to because as Rick Warren says, everybody leaves. Some people are here for a reason. Some people are here for a season, very few a lifetime and everybody leaves. So at the end of the day, it comes down to you and your heavenly father. And so what I've tried to do in my life is just figure out that's who has my heart, but I've got to let other people into my life. And that's not just lining up six or seven people that I want them to do everything for me and be my confidants. But who are six or seven people that I want to serve just as much? And Jesus shows us this in the way that he takes care of his disciples and interacts with them. And he gives them responsibility to carry on his ministry. And so what I've discovered and tried to figure out in my life is the more I do self-searching, the more I do, you know, all of the isolation tactics, I learn a lot about myself, but I'm just really lonely. I need other people in my life. I need a trusted group of friends. And, you know, I think a lot about something that a pastor by the name of Larry Osborne has said, and that is that people are like Legos. And some, some people have two or three connection spots. Some people have eight or nine. Some people are the big green sheet and they can handle a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of us, we only can handle a few people. And so we've got to f- pick those people correctly and wisely and you know, trust them without entrusting our self-worth to them. At some people, we can handle more. So know who you are, know your limits, and then begin praying that God puts the right people in your path. Rusty, that's good. I love that. Now, what would you say to the pastor who says, you know, there, there was a season in my ministry, there was a time in my ministry where we, you know, trusted some people, mm-hmm. um, where we trust them and we shared, you know, shared things that may be going on in the life of our family, you know, and, and we really felt like it was a safe, safe place. And yet we got burned or we got betrayed. And so now our view is we really can't do that. Well, my heart breaks for them, and unfortunately, it's it's everyone. We've all got a story of that in our life. Mm. And I remember when it happened to me, and I went into the pits of despair, and I, you know, kind of thought ministry was over as far as what I thought it was. Now it's just going to be me, and I'll serve Jesus, and that's it. 
I went to lunch with a pastor friend of mine uh, at another church and was kind of lamenting with him. And I kind of expected him to look at me and say, you know what? Jesus went to a cross, so suck it up and get over it. <laughs> but he didn't. He told me a story and told me about this, you know, these friends of theirs that very similar to our Friday friends. These people, had they'd done a life with them. And he had been very, you know, vulnerable and honest with them and been himself around them. And one day they just turned on him. And they just said, you know what, you're not the pastor we'd hoped, and we're moving on. And it ruined their friendship, and they left the church, and it was just really, really painful. And he's you know, telling me all this, and I just said, man, what, what do you take out of that? And he said, you know, I don't know, but if it encourages you, it was worth it. Mm. I thought, man, what talk about taking one for the team. I mean, right. that's, that's brutal. And it, oddly enough, it did. It really encouraged me. And I could tell it encouraged him to share it with me. And so I think that it's that old principle of God never wastes a hurt. Everything can be redeemed. No, everything doesn't happen for a reason, but God can use it. And so rather than let that thing isolate you, rather than let that problem, you know, kind of keep you away from what God created us for, which is to be together, let it, you know, leverage that. Whether, you know, go ahead and take that and share that story and, and learn from it and pace your vulnerability a little bit. Um, maybe you're going to look for some different characteristics in people the next time, but don't let it take you out of the game and don't let it sideline you and make you think nobody gets me because I guarantee somebody else needs to hear your story. Mm, that's so encouraging, brother. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we've been talking a lot about community and the need that we have as pastors and ministry leaders for community. And I love what you shared. And, and Rusty, I just want to thank you for just your, your honesty and your authenticity in this conversation, really, because you've been really true, you know what I mean? And you've shared things and, and been really honest about yourself. And, and that encourages me. And I know it's encouraging to the pastors and ministry leaders who are listening now. But before we wrap up, is there anything else, maybe, maybe something we didn't touch upon, but anything else in relation to this, this idea of us serving as leaders in ministry and, you know, this whole call for biblical community and how we wrestle through that? Is there anything else that you, you might have to share with pastors to encourage them, maybe challenge them? I would just let them know that you're not alone. You're just not alone. And it, the community side of things, it's worth it. And I know we think, we just assume that we'll be the one that doesn't need it. But we all do. We all need it. Jesus craved it. Jesus needed it. Jesus entrusted himself to the Father, but trusted people around him. And I think that that's such a, a huge lesson for us to learn, because the way Jesus did that was to serve. It wasn't just to sit around and wait for others to come to him. And so I would just encourage you, tell your story to share your pain, be vulnerable. It's You're going to get hurt again, but it is worth the journey. And, and you need those people in your life if you're really going to do this for the long haul. Otherwise, we're just going to end up bitter and angry and the mean old preacher that uh, we're doing it for Jesus, but we're not happy about it. And that's just going to ruin people's faith along the way rather than bring life to them. So I would just tell you, first of all, you are not alone. I love what Sam Chan says in his book, Leadership Pain. He says that I may never know your church, but I can guarantee you one thing. Ten percent, ten percent of your people are devils. 
<laughs> and, you know, you start thinking about it. I think he's exactly right. And unfortunately, we spend the most amount of time with those people trying to turn them into angels. And it's just not going to happen. They may still go to heaven, but they're just mean spirited. They're critical. They, they say it's constructive, but it's not a critical eye. It's a critical spirit. And we then lure ourselves into thinking, well, I'll just befriend them because then they won't hurt a friend. <laughs> but they will. So avoid them. Find some people that you can pour into. Often it's not the people that you immediately assume and begin to see what God does. Awesome, brother. Rusty, I certainly appreciate that. Now, if people want to connect with you, and um, it, what's the best way to do that? And I also know that you have uh, resources. You write a blog regularly, you know, that's just got nuggets um, for pastors. So how can they get in touch with you? What are some resources that they could um, dig into a little more deeply? Absolutely. Well, the easiest way is through my website, which is pastorrustygeorge.com. And you get the blogs and videos and all that kind of stuff there. Um, but the other thing is, is I really want to help pastors with this concept and so I wrote a book about it called Better Together, uh, Discovering the Power of Community. And it's written twofold, one, to encourage people who resist community, but also for pastors who are trying to convince their people to get into a small group. Uh, most of us have one good message on getting into a small group, and we do it once a year. <laughs> so uh, I wrote five of them for you so you can have them. And just go to bettertogetherstudy.com. And you can get free messages, manuscripts, videos, even small group videos, small group discussion questions, plug and play, launch it out in the fall, and uh, and you're, you're ready to roll then. Um, but as far as the book Better Together goes, you can find that at Amazon or on my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com. And for all church leaders, BetterTogetherStudy.com for all those free resources for the book. Awesome, brother. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to be with us and, again, sharing from your heart. Uh, I know it's going to be very encouraging to our listeners. And uh, all all the links that uh, Rusty shared for the Better Together study, for the you know those free resources, for his website, his blog, all that fun stuff, we'll have in the show notes and make that available to you. So, um, again, brother, just thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.